All right. Hello, Lanier. Welcome to Notes from the Front. Thank you. Great to be here. For those who are listening, Lanier Coles is running for the DCCC in San Francisco. I'm going to let her explain what that is. But before we dive into that, Lanier, can you tell us a little bit about your background um, and then maybe share with us what's going on with this DCCC run? Yeah. Thank you so much, Michelle. So my name is Lanier Coles, and I am a candidate on the current ballot in San Francisco for the Democratic County Central Committee. I have lived in San Francisco for over two decades, and I've been busy raising my three kids here and also working. I work in healthcare, and I'm also a lifelong member of the Democratic Party. And so during election seasons, I have volunteered for the party, and usually for um, races in faraway places, like Senate races in states that are far from California. I've also done a lot of uh, volunteering on issues like reproductive rights and gun, common sense gun laws. It wasn't until COVID that I actually woke up to the importance of local government. I think uh, many of us had that awakening around the same time. And that is when I turned my focus to the local Democratic Party in San Francisco. And I learned for the first time in 2020 about this kind of obscure body called the Democratic County Central Committee. And there are elections every four years. I zoomed into one of the DCCC meetings in December of 2020. And that was the first time I actually laid eyes on the people who are running our local Democratic Party and just began to really appreciate the importance of that group. And so um, started to kind of watch them and engage with them. And at that point, um, started to think about wanting to run for this, this body. And so here I am four years later, and I'm excited to be a candidate for the DCCC. Awesome. Okay, that's a great introduction. There's a couple things I want to double click on here. Um, so first, the thing that I'm struggling with struggling with is when we refer to it as a body or the local democratic party, what does that mean? Like, what is this group? So it is, um, it is governed by California state election law. It is a, um, it is a entity, um, that is elected through the presidential primary ballot or in the primaries. Um, and they have the power to do a couple of really important things. One is that they are um, focused on trying to grow the party in San Francisco, so registering voters. They also have the ability to write resolutions where they take a point of view or a position on an issue in our society. And then third, and, and perhaps most important in the city and county of San Francisco, is they have the power to make endorsements on behalf of the local Democratic Party, the San Francisco Democratic Party. And their jurisdiction, if you will, for endorsements is local races. So that's San Francisco races. The, mm -hmm. the state party, there is a California Democratic state party, and their kind of purview is to make endorsements for state-level races, like Senate races. So there's a hierarchy, if you will, to the endorsement process within the Democratic Party. 
Okay. Can you tell us a little bit more about the makeup of this group now? Like how many people are on it? Uh, how long have they been on it? Is there Are there term limits? How often do they meet? Just some sort of the, paint us the picture of this yeah. group. Sure. Yeah. The mechanics of it. So there are 24 people who are elected every four years. So it's a four-year term. They're voluntary terms. You're not compensated for it. And the election always happens um, in, during the primary. So the last election was in 2020. There are right. also some ex officio seats. So people who hold elected office um, also have ex officio seats where they do have a vote. And those include people like our state senator, Scott Weiner, our lieutenant governor, Eleni Kunalakis, and of course, our um, representative to Congress, which is Nancy Pelosi. So ex officio seats, they run as well to be on this? Body? No, they don't. They do not run. So they, by virtue of their elected position, they get a seat on the DCCC. So there are 24 elected seats. And then there are a handful of seats that um, you get as a result of your elected position. And so th Got those it. are lieutenant governor, the con congressional seat, the state Senate seat. Okay. And you mentioned that they vote. Does that mean when there's something like an election coming up and they're deciding who to endorse, they do a vote? And is there a simple majority that counts or how does that work? Yeah. So remember, I was talking to you about the, the various roles of the local Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. One of them is endorsements. So the way the endorsements work is that the DCCC comes together and they vote on the party's position on a um, candidate or a proposition or a measure. And so it's not just the 24 elected people who get to vote on an endorsement. It also includes the ex officio um, representatives as well. Got it. And then if there's a majority, is it just the majority yes. wins? Yeah. Okay. A simple majority. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit about who's on the DCCC now and sort of what would you say are um, some of the dominant or common beliefs in that group? What are the discussion topics that are coming up a lot? Like, what would you, how would you describe how the DCCC is operating now and maybe some of the things that you think should continue, but more interestingly, what would you like to see change? I think the current DCCC, the 24 people that were elected in 2020, are out of touch with San Francisco Democratic voters today. And I'll give you um, a couple of examples. So the first is the Board of Education recall. Our public schools um, were out of the classroom. They were conducting virtual classes way longer than other public school districts around the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. And as we all know, we ended up with this historic Board of Education recall. Well, once there were enough signatures for that to be on the ballot, the DCCC convened and they voted on their position on the recall. And instead of endorsing or opposing the Board of Education recall, they decided to take no position. Mm. Now, when you look at the outcome of the recall, almost 70%, it depended on um, which individual, because there were three 
Board of Education members, and each one of them was voted on for the recall separately. But about 70% um, of the city voted for the recall of the Board of Education. Right. So that's um, kind of example number one of the huge discrepancy between the position that the DCCC took and the voters in San Francisco. And the second example is the DA recall. Mm -hmm. So in this case, they met and took a vote on their position on the DA recall. And 22 out of the 24 elected members voted to oppose the recall. And when, when they make a decision about endorsement, they are able to put resources behind that decision. So that means they um, are able to get volunteers who could phone bank or do literature drops, which are called lit drops, where, you know, you get a, a door hanger that's on your front doorknob. Um, they can phone bank. And very importantly, they can send out literature, direct mail. Um, one of the things I've, I've learned running my campaign is that even though we think um, paper snail mail is an archaic thing, thing of the past, actually, people spend more time with a piece of mail, about six seconds is the number I was given, than they do with an email. I was told by Constant Contact, which is the vendor I'm using for my email newsletters, that the average time a person spends with an email is three seconds. Wow. So as you are flipping through your snail mail and throwing it in the trash, apparently you spend about six seconds with each piece of direct mail. So back to the, the Democratic Party in San Francisco, when they spend money on direct mail, that can be very effective. And it has the stamp of approval of the San Francisco Democratic Party. So it doesn't say the Democratic County Central Committee, which is one reason why you and I've never heard of it. It says the San Francisco Democratic Party opposes the recall of Chesa Bodine, for mm -hmm. example. So when they decided they were going to oppose the recall of Chesa Bodine, and that was a supermajority of them, they prepared and mailed out a piece of direct mail that had a picture of the Supreme Court on it, overlaid by a picture of Mitch McConnell. And there was some sort of tagline that said to the effect, the people who want to overturn Roe v. Wade are the same people who want to recall Chase Bodine. So oh I say generally that was the headline because I want to be clear, I don't actually still have the mailer and I haven't right. been able to find it online. When I received that mailer and my fellow Democrats in San Francisco received that mailer, it was very upsetting because I right. think there are some very, you know, large issues that Democrats coalesce around. Reproductive rights is one of them. Protecting the environment would be another one. And for the San Francisco Democratic Party to weaponize reproductive rights in their attempt to um, save Chase Bodine from being recalled, that, feel, that felt really disingenuous. Mm -hmm. And so I am an elected delegate to the state party. And a few other uh, people I know who were elected delegates to the state party, we called into the DCCC meeting right after that mailer had been distributed to make public comment and let them know that there are many Democrats in San Francisco who supported the recall of Chase Bodine. And so for them to try to um, divide Democrats 
using the issue of reproductive rights, it just felt really disingenuous. And I think, you know, the beauty of the Democratic Party is that it should be a big tent where we can align on many, many topics, but we are going to have some topics where we're going to disagree. And, you know, the approach to public safety in San Francisco is one of those issues where we might not all agree. However, the end of that story about their position on the DA recall is that the majority of San Francisco voters who voted in the recall voted to recall Chase Bodine. Right. So that's and he was example recalled. number two. Yeah, of this huge mm-hmm. discrepancy between our current elected DCCC members and San Francisco voters. Mm-hmm. What about in the past couple of years since then? Um, I mean, I, I just checked out. I went to the website. I checked out what they've been focused on. It seemed like they had a pretty big line item for a ceasefire discussion. Are they also discussing foreign policy or I mean, is that in their is that part of in their charter? Yeah. So that was in the fall. Um, they had I think it was about a six hour Zoom call. And I, I listened to oh my goodness. almost all of it. And it it lasted for six hours because of the, you know, energy around the public comments. They had mm-hmm. so many people join the Zoom call who wanted to make public comments. And it it did remind me of their debate around the Board of Education as well. Those meetings um, around the Board of Education endorsement also went on for many, many hours. Um, yeah, so they did, they drafted a resolution. There were some members of the DCCC who drafted a resolution for a ceasefire in Gaza. And it was on the agenda. And, you know, many people... Um, wanted to express their point of view about the very tragic events that are unfolding in Gaza. Um, My personal position is, you know, the Democratic Party in San Francisco and our elected officials in San Francisco should be laser focused on San Francisco city government working. And I think it's, it's, um, you know, appropriate to express uh, condolence or sympathy for people outside of San Francisco who might be experiencing um, trauma or the victims of violence. You know, if we had a mass shooting, God forbid, somewhere else in America, that's appropriate to express condolence. But to try to influence foreign policy um, from the San Francisco Democratic Party Leadership Committee, to me, feels like a bit of a stretch when we have two to three overdose deaths a day in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, So I want to ask one question on that before we dig into some more topics around San Francisco. Do you view it? So let's say you win. um, Who do you represent? Do you and if and what happens if you have an opinion that differs from the majority opinion? Say, for example, if the majority of San Franciscans want you to discuss the ceasefire, want you to sign something saying there should be one, but you personally disagree with that. How does that work? Well, I think that's a, a question that wouldn't just apply to an elected member of the DCCC. It would apply to anybody who is elected to represent a group of people. Mm-hmm. I think you you have to have that individual debate with yourself because you have been elected to represent the interest of a group of people. In my case, it'll be uh, registered Democrats in the city and county of San Francisco. And you also have your own value system and your own moral c- compass. 
And you have to weigh those two things as you make decisions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's talk more about San Francisco government, if that's all right. Since you mentioned um, that the committee should be laser focused on making sure that San Francisco government is working. So maybe to start on that topic, can you talk about maybe let's start with what do you think is working in San Francisco? Like what do you where I mean, you choose to live here. You're raising a family. Um, why like what what is working for you about the city? And then let's talk about what isn't. Yeah, well, let me start with why I moved here and why I continue to live here and raise three children here. I grew up abroad. So by the time I was 18, I lived in six countries. This included wow. Jamaica, Vietnam, Jordan, and Egypt, to name a few. And that experience of growing up as a global citizen allowed me to kind of look at the United States from afar and ask myself, what does it mean to be an American in a global context? And so for me, what I realized is it's actually the values of the Democratic Party that are synonymous with being an American. So I really value diversity. I value immigration. I think it's important that we embrace progressive ideals. We need to be moving the needle forward. We want to, we want society to continue to advance. And San Francisco has really been the poster child for so much of that. We are such a diverse city and I, I'm raising biracial children. And I think it is easier to be biracial here than probably many other places in the United States. Mm -hmm. um, I also think that you know, we're lucky. We have a lot of families um, where we have same-sex marriages or same-sex parents and my children, they don't even think twice about that. That is, you know, much more commonplace here. Yeah. I think our city in terms of um, policy has also been very progressive. And that's why I love San Francisco and I want to continue living here is because of the progressive ideals. And this week in particular, we've just celebrated the 20th year anniversary of um, same-sex marriage. So San Francisco really was one of the pioneers in allowing same-sex marriage long before the Supreme Court ruled on it. So I think that's a really great example of how San Francisco leads the way in progressive policy. Nice. I, by the way, just as a side note, I remember when same-sex marriage um, became legalized. Gavin Newsom was mayor at the time. I was in high school. And I remember um, a bunch of my friends were baking cookies to go hand out to people waiting in line to get married. There was this like huge line, multiple blocks. And I remember I was really torn on whether to help bake cookies or do my homework. I think I picked homework and I feel this guilt and regret about it for ever since. Like this was this amazing moment in San Francisco history. I could have been there handing out cookies. Well, I didn't. yeah, it, you, you, you can't be everywhere. Um, it's too hard. And there were so many good causes in San Francisco to champion. Um, I, I think about that a lot because especially now that I'm running a campaign, I'm like, should I be, um, you know, on the side of the lacrosse field, uh, cheering my son on, or should I be at the gun march across the Golden Gate Bridge today? Mm -hmm. Um, and you can't be everywhere. So, uh, don't beat yourself up for that, Michelle. <laughs> I was still very excited, but I didn't, I didn't want to bake. Um, okay. Let's talk about what's not working. 
Um, I know that you became sort of more engaged during pandemic. Um, it sounds like that. I, I remember during pandemic, I was talking, you were out door knocking, you were volunteering, you were getting gathering signatures. Like what happened? How did you, what changed? Or like, was it all of a sudden that you started feeling things needed to improve in the city or has this been going on a long time? Like maybe you could tell a little bit your story of yeah, um, right. where you started so, feeling a little more critical. Right. So so I told you I moved here in two decades ago because I was so attracted to the progressive ideals of San Francisco. And there there was no other city in America where I had wanted to raise my kids. And I was really active in the National Democratic Party. So I drove my car to Modesto and I knocked on doors for Josh Harder. He was running against a Republican in the Central Valley. I phone banked for Senator Cortez Masto in Nevada. Um, I, you know, believe in the values of the Democratic Party and I have been working for them like my whole entire life. And then Trump was elected and I really doubled down on what I consider to be national Democratic Party efforts. And then, so that was 2016 and then COVID happened. And that was where I had an epiphany that local government has so much power over our daily lives and the quality of our daily lives. And some examples include closing streets and keeping the schools closed and defunding the police. And the first time that my car was broken into in San Francisco um, was around 2014. And I remember obviously being annoyed, um, but not not really um, thinking too long and hard about it. And then when COVID happened, I started to look back on the prior decade. And that's when I started to realize, my gosh, almost everybody I know has been the victim of property crime. And so once there was this movement that started around the recall of the DA, I became very activated as a local organizer. So I went every weekend to a playground with my petition to gather signatures in order to get the recall on the ballot. And it was kind of a lonely place at first, Michelle, because we were still in a lot of conversation about criminal justice reform. Mm -hmm. And defund the police was a very normal um, mantra across the nation at that time. So I had to do a lot of soul searching because I, you know, witnessed the murder of George Floyd and was horrified by it. And at the same time, I realized that so many people in San Francisco had been the victims of property crime. So I had to wrestle with those two things. And where I came out, and I think, you know, where many people ultimately came out in San Francisco is that those two ideas of a more fair criminal justice system and an effective criminal justice system, those two things can both be true. They're not mutually exclusive. So mm -hmm. I was very excited that all my hard work at gathering signatures resulted in us getting the recall on the ballot. Mm -hmm. And I gained confidence from that experience because that was the first time I had really done much around local organizing. Same time period. There was a march for public schools to reopen, a march to City Hall. And I remember I took my kids, I recruited a few friends, and we participated in that march. And um, a month or two later, the schools went back in person. So those two examples, the schools reopening 
and the DA recall, getting it on the ballot, really galvanized me towards local organizing. Mm -hmm. And what about since then? How, I mean, if you were to give San Francisco government a grade, (laughs) how do you think it's doing? What do you think are some areas that it has room to improve in? Yeah, well, so now that I'm running for the DCCC, I have been doing what they call merchant walks. So I take Mm -hmm. one of my window signs, which you can see um, behind me on the bulletin board, and I ask local merchants to to post them in their windows. And during that ask, I end up having conversations with these small business owners about their experience running a business in San Francisco. Um, and, And you read about this a lot in the local newspapers, but it is very hard to run a business in San Francisco. Many of them have been victims of vandalism multiple times to the point where they don't even call their insurance companies anymore and file a claim for their broken windows. Um, They also find it very arduous to follow all the regulations around how to, you know, hang a sign with the name of their store on the facade of their store. So I think the bureaucracy that governs business in this city is not working. Hmm. And if we don't have business owners, small businesses in particular, succeeding, we won't have a a tax revenue base. Right. So that's a problem. The second thing that's not working is um, we have not been innovative enough around bringing business back, bringing workers back to downtown San Francisco. And there's a lot of energy around that now. So I'm optimistic, um, you know, that we will be innovative and work our way through this. But I, I went to the Westfield Mall with my son. We love a Korean restaurant that's in the food court. It was desolate. Yeah. It was desolate. And, and what you realize about, you know, small businesses like the Korean restaurant in the food court is that there are a lot of people who depend on those for their jobs. And they are struggling because consumers are not downtown. And then if you walk from Westfield Mall to Union Square, the number of empty storefronts is shocking. It, yeah. is, it feels like you are in a ghost town. So um, that's not working from yeah. a local government perspective. But I, I do think, you know, I think we're putting a lot of thought and creativity into it. So I'm optimistic we're going to work our way through it. And of course, mm-hmm. we have all the AI companies um, that are based there. So that's going to that's gonna help. What else is not working? The public school system is not working. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think the story of the public school system is really emblematic of what's wrong with the current San Francisco Democratic Party leadership. So ideology has been given priority over effective solution-oriented policies. And we saw that with the notorious um, story during COVID of the school board focusing on renaming schools instead of being laser-focused on getting teachers and children safely back into the classroom. Yeah. And these examples of ideology taking priority over effective government have made the national news and have made our city the laughingstock of Democratic-run cities. And I want it to be the reverse. I want San Francisco to be a role model for Democratic-run cities. 
And I believe that we can do that with the right Democratic Party leadership. Oh, that's right. I love how you say that, the role model. I feel the exact same way. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I was born in San Francisco, grew up here my whole life. Um, and it has been very painful to see the way that our city is currently making it into the news. It doesn't seem to be very often making it into the news for, you know, innovation or even things, I mean, like passing gay marriage, which at the time, you know, was huge. San Francisco was, I think, the first city we sort of led the way on. That's a perfect example of how San Francisco was a leader in progressive values. And now I feel like we're we're in the headlines for you know, the drug crisis and our empty downtown and budget issues. Um, Mm -hmm. We're not making headlines for, you know, positive reasons. And I'm optimistic because we Mm -hmm. are a democracy and San Francisco voters are very motivated and highly engaged. And so I think because of the democratic process, we can course correct. I totally agree. Yeah, what are you hearing from your friends? Have you seen any changes in the past few years or what's what's the vibe among yeah, other think, parents think, and neighborhood yeah, I think, friends? Mm-hmm. I think during COVID everyone woke up to the the role of local government and everyone is more informed now. I've been to over 20 house parties for my Democratic County Central Committee race and people are curious about local political parties. And that to me is so exciting because we we need our Democratic parties, you know, whether it's the Republican Party or the Democratic Party or the Green Party, we need people to be engaged in these political parties because they serve a really important role in our democracy, which is that they help organize people. Like people are are busy leading lives where they are working and they are raising their families. And especially in California, where we have a form of direct democracy, voting can be very noisy and confusing. And these political parties, in particular, the Democratic Party, should be playing a very important role in helping sort through all that noise. And Mm -hmm. so I love that people are paying attention now to our local Democratic Party. And also we have over 20 local Democratic clubs which are chartered by the DCCC, by the San Francisco Democratic Party. And, and they, they kind of come in all stripes and in sizes, so to speak. So they're organized around issues. We have a brand new Democratic club called the Westside Family Democratic Club. It was very difficult for them to get chartered by the San Francisco Democratic Party, the DCCC. There were two, well, there was one meeting in particular that was very painful to watch where the individuals who were applying for the club to be chartered were interviewed in a very um, aggressive manner. And it was like they were being challenged about their credibility as Democrats. And that gets back to the need for people to engage in the local Democratic Party and make sure it's a big tent Democratic Mm -hmm. Party where somebody who was opposed to the DA recall and somebody like me who worked for the DA recall We can have civil debate and we can have different points of view, but we can come together on the 80 or 90 percent of issues that we align on. Mm -hmm. And that's my vision for the Democratic Party in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. I love that. 
I saw on your Twitter that Nancy Pelosi uh, has endorsed you. Um, what can you talk more about that? I, I'll read the tweet aloud. It said, I am honored to be endorsed by Nancy Pelosi for DCCC as a person with MS. I am grateful to her for passing the ACA to expand health insurance to millions of Americans. Now it's time for the SF Dem Party to deliver for San Franciscans safer streets and better schools. Vote Coles at the polls by March 5th. Um, actually, I did not know that you had MS until I saw that tweet that, um, can you speak? Have you worked with Nancy Pelosi in some way before? Or how do you know her? How did this all go down? Yeah. So I have met her on a couple of different occasions in California. Um, and I I think the world of Nancy Pelosi, she is an incredible leader. And I'm so proud of the fact that she is from San Francisco. Mm -hmm. I I don't have a personal relationship with her. Um, and so when I, I got a text from her political director, I think it was two Fridays ago, um, saying that he wanted to talk to me, I was really just floored. And when he said she wanted to endorse me, I, I didn't even think that was a possibility. Um, so I, I really am thrilled about Nancy Pelosi's endorsement. And mm -hmm. when I asked him, so how does she decide who to endorse in something so down ballot as the Democratic County Central Committee? He said she, um, you know, she recognized that you have done a lot of work for the party. And, oh. and that really felt so good, Michelle, because I really have like my whole life been phone banking for reproductive rights and text banking and, you know, knocking on doors in faraway places. And so it was really an honor to be endorsed by Nancy Pelosi. That's awesome. Wow. Okay. Um, I know you have a tight timeline, so we can wrap shortly. I guess I'd say let's, to, to sort of bring everything together, let's talk about if people are listening and they want to vote for you, help their friends vote for you, get make sure they're getting a ballot, what needs to happen. And I know that we're in a tight timeline, right? Because I think it's today is Friday, February 16th. I believe you told me there's some deadlines around registering as Democrat, and then there's deadlines for voting, right? So can you walk us through what needs to happen? Yes. So everyone in California receives a mail-in ballot now. And ballots were mailed a couple of weeks ago. You have to be a registered Democrat to have a vote in the Democratic County Central Committee races, um, in particular, the San Francisco DCCC. So if you we're not a registered Democrat and you already got a ballot, the DCCC race will not be on your ballot. Mm -hmm. You have until February 20th to change your registration to be a Democrat. And then a new ballot will be sent to you. Um, when you go to vote, there are multiple candidates. So um, there are 24 seats in San Francisco for the DCCC. 10 of them can be elected by Assembly District 19, which is our kind of the western side of San Francisco, and 14 people can be elected on the east side, which is Assembly District 17. So together with the 10 people elected on the west side and the 14 people on the east side, that's 24 people that will get elected. But when you go to vote, there's going to be many more um, candidates on the ballot because there are two slates running against each other. So I'm on a slate called SF Democrats for Change. And there is another slate that we are running against. And so what we're asking is for slate discipline, which is a very wonky term. But essentially, 
when you go to vote, we are asking you to vote for all the people that are on our slate so that we can win a majority of the seats on the DCCC. This means that when we go to vote for endorsing candidates in the November general election, we will have a majority of seats and we will be able to endorse sensible candidates. Let me just double click on the general election in November in San Francisco. All odd-numbered Board of Supervisor seats will be on the ballot. Four Board of Education seats will be on the ballot. And so if we want to tilt city government in a more um, common sense and progressive direction, we need to win the DCCC right now by March 5th. And then we need to win the general election races in November. I want to just make sure I clarify something for people listening. You said tilt it in a more progressive and common sense direction. In this town, we've traditionally had the progressives and the moderates, right? Um, with progressives being a little bit more left-leaning, not a little bit, actually a lot more left-leaning. Would you say, are, do you consider yourself a progressive or a moderate or neither? How do you, and, and, and what about the slate? Yeah, it's so frustrating to be a Democrat in San Francisco because <laughs> 64% of the city is registered as Democrat and 85% of the city voted for Biden in 2020. So we're just various shades of blue and um, we're various shades of blue. And so it's difficult. And that's why people reach for these labels like moderate or progressive. I would like to use the issues. So mm -hmm. SF Democrats for Change, which is my slate, is focused on three issues. We want better public safety, higher quality education, and more housing at all price points. Mm -hmm. And when I say public safety, we want a fully staffed police department without additional taxes. When I say we want higher quality education, today on the ballot, that means that we all support bringing algebra back to San Francisco public middle schools. Mm -hmm. So I hope that those two examples in particular give you a sense of where my slate is on the political spectrum and what shade of blue we are. Okay. Close. Okay. Um, I would say in San Francisco, that would put you, the shade of blue would be a little more purple than, <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, I don't know about purple, but maybe lighter, a lighter shade like, of blue, yeah. a lighter shade uh, of blue. And I it. would also say that the other slate that we're running against um, has a lot of incumbents that are currently serving on the Democratic County Central Committee. And given their position on the recall of the Board of Education and the DA recall, and half of them did not vote to support bringing algebra back, mm -hmm. that should give you a sense of where they are on the Democratic political spectrum, they are significantly more progressive than my slate. Okay. And is there anyone running who's not on a slate or is it basically one slate versus the other? Yeah, there is an individual on the West side, which is the side I'm on, Assembly District 19, and she is not on a slate. Okay. But basically almost everyone's on a slate. And what's the other slate called? San Franciscans not for change? <laughs> San Franciscans <laughs> for business as usual? Uh, the other slate is called the Labor and Working Families Slate. Got it. And both, okay. both of our slates have 
individuals who are in unions. So although my slate is called the SF Democrats for Change, we also want to champion working families and organized labor. Got it. Okay. Wow. All right. So this is sort of, um, this is sort of wonky. I think this body, it's definitely something that people don't talk about, but this endorsements element of the group matters tremendously from what I understand. A lot of people just sort of vote with whoever the Democratic Party endorses. And so my understanding is that this body has quite a bit of power and influence in the city, can move elections. And uh, I personally am really excited to see that someone like you is digging in and going for it and going to try to, you know, push for change. Yeah, thank you. And I, you know, I can't do it on my own. I think it takes, you know, a majority of voters to make change. And so I'm really excited to have this opportunity today with you, Michelle, to share my story and the importance of the Democratic County Central Committee race. I love it. All right. I will include links in the show notes to anything you want me to. Um, so you can, we'll, we'll discuss that after the fact. But in the meantime, just thank you so much for coming on as a guest and I'm rooting for you. All right, everybody, that's a wrap for this episode. If you found this in any way interesting or inspiring or motivating, I will ask of you only one thing, which is please share it. Please share it with a friend, share it with a group chat. You can share it on social media. I will include links in the show notes to all the different versions of this conversation. So we'll have YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Overcast, and Substack. And if you have any feedback, please feel free to email me at michelle at notesfromthefront.com. Also, you can leave a comment if you are a subscriber to the Substack. All right. Thank you so much for listening and hope you have a great week.